This is Shop Talk Radio, episode 38, with international pop star Usher Raymond. Welcome to Shop Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onken, and on this show, we're bringing inspiring guests to dive underneath the hood of the creative entrepreneurial lifestyle to bridge the gap between art, commerce, and inspiration. What is up, Shop Talk Creatives? Today, I'm excited to bring to you today's special guest, Mr. Usher Raymond. Obviously, if you don't know Usher, you can give him a Google, but he is an international pop star and he's been making hits for the last over 20 years. He's an uber-talented musician, vocalist, dancer, and showman. And he the ability that he has to put everything together and put on an amazing performance for people is absolutely incredible. But what I'm really honored to talk about with him today is... The quality human being that he is. He's thoughtful, he's kind, he's hardworking, he's grounded, and I'm excited to have gotten to know him over the last couple of years. We went on vacation a couple years ago with our mutual friend Scooter Braun, which is where we met, and we've been getting to know each other since then. And what I've seen of him, what I've experienced of him is thoughtfulness, generosity, groundedness, so many things. And we get to talk about that on the podcast today, how, where his groundedness comes from and his hard work ethic, where his inspiration comes from and his passion for mentorship and legacy. So without further ado, let's jump in. What's up, guys? I've got my boy Usher in the studio or his studio or rehearsal space out in Pennsylvania and Philly. Welcome to the show. Yeah, no doubt. How are you, sir? I'm doing quite well. It's a pleasure to have you on. No doubt. Always a pleasure to sit down with friends and yeah. family. Now, um, we're actually here uh, in Philly in preparation for the UR Experience Tour backstage. Kind of feels like a studio. I, I tend to make every place that I go feel like mm. uh, a creative environment. And anytime, you know, I, I may feel it, I can just jump to the mic. There's a microphone live in the corner. There's Ooh. inspiration, you know, in yeah, looking at films. Yeah. A lot of times it could be a trailer or either a full movie that kind of gives me an idea uh, to get into the creative space to write or whatever. Yeah. So that's what this is. I love it. I love it. And, you know, I mean... A lot of people, most people know who you are. Um, so now I want to get kind of just, I mean, what are, you, what are you excited about these days? What are you passionate about? What's, what's going on in Usher's world? Cherry licorice mm. is actually awesome. And I just wanted to tell the world that if you have ever had Australian cherry licorice, well, if you haven't, then, I have then, not. then you need to experience it. It is really, you know. Yeah, problematic for my midsection. I'll just tell you that much. Uh-oh. But, Uh-oh. but um, that's what I'm excited about. Um, <laughs> Where does one get this? <laughs> <laughs> this stuff. This stuff. No, um, I'm excited about um, being back on the stage. It's been about three years since mm. I've uh, toured. Yeah. Um, though a little bit, um, I guess, maybe departed because I'm not home with my boys. Yeah. Uh, so just, but finding the balance in anything that we do creative is 
a part of making the sacrifices that one led us there then also two are the means to uh to keep it mm-hmm. you have to uh make some sacrifices but i've been able to, to to see them and it's not like i miss a beat anytime uh, but really excited to be in the environment of just creativity with my band you know great to make albums but even greater to perform the songs to the yeah. fans that you know either download purchase or whatever they do to hear the music mm. uh that experience you can't you can't bottle up i mean you you can of course you know yeah. film it but it's nothing nothing like the live experience and uh you know that that's part of the reason why i've always wanted to be an entertainer yeah to uh to be that entertainer to be that uh kind of showman uh, kind of master of ceremony. Yeah, well, you're a legend at that. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's good. So it sounds like family is something that's hugely important to you. Absolutely, and absolutely. F- family that is handpicked, mm. as well as family that, um, you know, is my own blood. Yeah. Um, it's been a family business since the beginning. My mother started off managing me, of course. Um, you know, finding my way through the ups and the downs and the you know tumultuous travel yeah that comes with being an artist you're going to pick up a few people who will become more than just employees or people that you work with yeah that uh you just have a kindred spirit with because there's a passion that's parallel or either um you know there's there's something that you both offer each other in making the connection to your creativity yeah and uh those people are family it's not mm-hmm. that many people who get this close or get you know, close enough, you know this, you know, no, as we right. take our trips or whatever we do as family, you know, when we're in New York City, it's us. And our good time yeah. is playing heads up and, and, <laughs> and cooking dinner. You know what I mean? That that right there is far more valuable than going out to a restaurant or anything like that. Uh, it is that time, that that culture, you know, that I think Italians naturally have. Yeah, definitely. You know? <laughs> so wh- where did that come from? I mean, back in the day and were you raised with these values and... I'm a Southern boy. Yeah. Mm. So um, family was all we had, Mm. you know, um, it was a matter of survival. So if, you know, your thing was, you know, you knew how to cook a certain meal or you, your meal was uh, your specialty, right. Was dessert. Yeah. You bring it all together during Thanksgiving. And that is what it is. I mean, of course you can sneak to aunt and uncle's house to get, you know, a special (laughs) serving or whatever it is that you wanted. But, uh, you know, raising family, raising kids, period, is a collaborative effort. It takes yeah. a village. And that's the culture that I come from. That's the mm. culture that I, I not only um, come from, but I endorse as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And so how do you, I mean, speaking of, how do you keep your your family culture together, especially being on the road all the time and, you know, working at the level that you are? You're on the road, you're creating, you're, you're in this city, you're in that city, you're across the world. I mean, I know you sleep like three hours a night, which yeah. <laughs> I don't understand how you do it, but how do you, how do you keep your family together? How do you take care of your kids? Well, I take care of my kids, of course, uh, between two households, my ex-wife, you know, she's with the boys now. I get a chance to see them, um, you know, either on the weekends or, because they're in school now, so mm-hmm. obviously I don't want to disrupt their you know, their, their studies and, and their development. Mm-hmm. But um, for the most part, I get a chance to see them on the weekends now. Mm. Uh, in the summertime, we, we take trips together. Uh, the way that I really keep my family together is to make them a part of it. Mm. We travel together. Uh, we have first-time experiences together, trying different, um, you know, food, uh, <laughs> different experiences. Yeah. I mean, uh, from Panama to 
Mexico. You know, yeah. you know, I've been able to show things uh, to my children and to my family mm-hmm. that otherwise I would have been looking at in books, you know, to go to the ruins and be able to understand the culture and the nature of, of what happened here before and what kind of uh, that lifestyle consisted of. Yeah. To eat the food, meet the people. You know, when I go to Africa, whatever, do a township. You know, I haven't taken my kids to Africa, but yeah. I've taken my mom and my brother mm. uh, on, on far trips like that and giving them that opportunity to expand. So uh, being a part of it is how you keep it together. Otherwise, uh, the other side is really checking out from it to have the sense of normalcy uh, that kind of creates stability and balance. Yeah. Because, I mean, in the madness of being able to see it all, have it all, or either at least uh, have a taste of mm-hmm. it all, you know, um, in respect to all these different cultures, I love my own. I love being able to go home and just yeah. sit in my mom's living room and look at a movie or either go to my grandmother's house and talk about some of my life experiences as a kid that are slowly but slow, slow, slowly but surely slipping away because there's so many other things that are happening in my kid's life. Draw a comparison between what they're doing and what I did. Mm. You know, being able to come back to Atlanta and see uh, my boys play soccer. Uh, my son uh, is, uh, he has a special needs, a type one diabetic. So yeah. we ha- obviously have a, a different uh, um, a cautionary um, process that we go through in making sure that he's okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, I, I, I keep it together by just staying in it. Yeah. And that's probably why I only get three hours of sleep. <laughs> Well, it seems like, you know, it does keep you grounded. And Mm -hmm. I mean, just from our interactions and the times that we've hung out, you seem like a very, very grounded person and you care about, you know, connection and and people and, you know, because there is this whole other side to your life where you're the celebrity and and like, it's almost feels like it's two separate spaces. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm I'm afforded the luxury to be able to check the hell out and become something else as a result of being an entertainer. Yeah. But I really enjoy the balance of both. Mm. Uh, there's no greater joy than being a father mm. for me, you yeah. know, uh, because I didn't have that time in exchange with my father as a kid. So now uh, being able to replace or replace some of the things that I would have wanted to happen yeah. with my boys, you know, being patient with them uh, <laughs> and understand <laughs> and understanding their development uh, and also to helping them to understand life. In yeah. its process, you know, I, I, I kind of use this mantra, um, you know, we're raising future adults, not raising kids. So I try to talk to them and give them the understanding uh, uh, and, and, and patience yeah. that life necessarily can't give them uh, so that they'll make better decisions so that they won't have, uh, have the, the issues. Mm. You know, I, the, the one thing that no parent looks forward to is having to pick their kid out from a, a damn lineup. You're not yeah. looking forward to that. Or getting that car late night to go downtown to pick your kid up. So I try my hardest to just be as patient as I possibly can with them and and help them find themselves, help them find what they love. Yeah. Uh, because I didn't have that uh, with my father. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's awesome. I'm, I acknowledge you for that. That's that's It's so great to see that you're such a big part of their life. Yeah. I love them, man. You yeah. know, they, they, they've given me true balance, man. Uh, the val- they, all the validation that I need uh, in life. Yeah, know? I can tell. And that's important. It's the most important. Yeah. So going back to that 
that childhood. And staying cool to them. Yeah. Is the other part. I, I don't, I, I'm still trying to figure it out. Like, <laughs> you know, and then they say you reach this age, 15, 13, 14, where you're just not cool anymore mm. because they obviously have their own friends and priorities. So I'm trying my hardest to stay as cool as possible. That's good. Well, as long as I can. Yeah. It might take a little bit of work, but. <laughs> <laughs> So going back, you know, when you're you're talking about, you know, you didn't have that opportunity with your father mm-hmm. growing up. What was that like? And then how did you get into this world, when, you know, from a young age? Um, man, as a kid, um, the validation of a dad, right, mm-hmm. gives you a certain confidence. Uh, I was very eager uh, for that, but I was also too talented. And I, I was able to recognize what those talents were at a very young age. So I used them to get the attention that I wanted from people, period. Mm. Um, because I think my father wasn't necessarily there to, to validate and give me that. Mm. Um, but for the most part, uh, I, I really found my way because I had such support from everybody else. It goes back kind of to my philosophy that, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. I'm a product of it. Mm. So it didn't matter if I was, you know, on the road to Bloomington, Illinois to spend the summer up there with my uncle or, you know, go to D.C. with my uncle to talk to him and see the different culture and life with it, what they had to offer there. Mm-hmm. Or just, you know, the simplicity of Chattanooga, Tennessee, which there wasn't a lot going on. But being able to have that sense of ever, everyday normalcy gave me just uh, a respect, a, uh, a regard and care yeah. for, sim- for simple things. You know, yeah. to deal with elders as a kid and understand that you respected your elders because you had to take care of them. You know mm. what I mean? All of those things fundamentally are are, are 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 within the inner fabric of who I am as a person. And I try to instill the same things in my boys. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. And because of that, so you were talented. How did you, like, where did you start? Getting on the come up, like when you were, when, you, know, you were young. I was obviously. about 11. Okay. When I decided, yo, I really want to sing. I think that this is, you know, what is going to work for me. I tried a lot of other shit now. I tried mm-hmm. uh, football, baseball, basketball. I wasn't tall enough. I wasn't quite fast enough, even though I felt I was. It yeah. didn't matter. Feelings had nothing to do with it. It wasn't facts. <laughs> but um, I felt great about all of the other things because so, I, I knew I was going to do something active mm. and dance was such a, a part of the culture of life at that time. If I could manage to dance and sing, that could make a, a great career and a passion for me. So uh, there was this uh, uh, there was this group of kids, right, called the New Beginning. And these are kind of like social. I mean, you want to call them social activists. You know what I'm saying? They were like... <laughs> actively doing something positive in the in the community where you know you could have went to drugs or the gang banging or any anything mm-hmm. like that we were doing something different kind of casting a different image as to what you could do with your time mm-hmm. and being productive with your talent if you find something so we danced we sang we sang familiar songs um and that kind of set up okay entertaining is something that i really want to do uh then i, I got out of that group Mm. My mother and her stephusband at the time, they moved to Atlanta, Georgia, which obviously gave us a great deal of opportunity. I mean, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And Chattanooga, as I said, great for all the other things, but it, it didn't necessarily give me the outlet. So yeah. I moved to Atlanta. Um, I continued to do talent shows and, and 
you know, kind of nurture my talent, listening to whatever was on the radio and dancing with any and every person that would, you know, pay attention or either dance with me. As I said, that was a part of what life was at that time. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I was recognized by a guy, uh, L.A. Reed's brother, Brian mm. Reed. Okay. And another guy by the name of A.J. Alexander, who uh, continued to work with me throughout the years and kind of nurtured my talent. He was a bodyguard for um, Bobby Brown. Mm. And uh, he brought me around Bobby. I got a chance to meet him, Whitney Houston, see all these different wow. people. Yeah, I just got a chance to just see these different pieces of life, like kind of giving me a, a roadmap, a glimpse that, hey, it could happen and this is what it could look like if if it were yours. Mm. So I began to paint the picture of what it is that I wanted to do, began to obviously work with other producers. That wasn't my expertise. I was not a musician. I wasn't, you know, classically trained yeah. vocally or uh, classically trained as a, as a dancer either. It just, I found my way to it through passion. Mm. Uh, so I started working with different producers. Um, eventually, um, I hooked up with Sean Puffy Combs. You know this guy, right? Yeah. Diddy, one of those. Diddy him. Puffy, Sean Combs, <laughs> S. Dot, whatever. Anyway, um, I moved to New York City at the age of 15 and um, kind of began to make my way and find what would be kind of the, the beginning of my story. Yeah. I put out my first album. It didn't do as well as I, anybody expected. I mean, those from Chattanooga who had solved. I, I didn't mention to you that I actually was on Star Search as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, did that. But um, for, from the people who did know somewhat of my story, it wasn't as successful as I would have wanted or maybe they would have expected. But it was a start. Mm. And um, I stayed at it. I began to um, go city to city. This is when the most important part of who I am was developed. Mm. The fact that I had to work for the audience's attention and approval because Ooh. it wasn't a hit record. It was an experience. It was something that was greater that made you... Um, want to be involved or be supportive of me as an artist if I ever had a record that you loved. Once you got to my album or once you heard the single. Um, I worked on another album. I hooked up with a producer, Jermaine Dupree, yeah. which is when I met Scooter. Ah, okay. And uh, me and Scooter, we began to, we were friends, just great friends as kids. Uh, he worked with So So Death. I, um, I obviously had... Um, a successful album with, with JD, My Way. Uh, so millions of units. Now I have kind of this this thing going. I have to now manage this expectation. Yeah. But as I said, the most important part was established entertainment. Yeah. Live performance. So then I went on my first tour. I think I went out with uh, Puffy, uh, PDD and the family. I went out with uh, Mary J. Blige. I uh, did a few festivals here and there. Also, too, went out on um, tour with Janet Jackson mm. and opened for her. Um, after that, um, I think I started doing shows myself. And, um, you know, kind of the rest is the ongoing history that you could look up yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, that's that's something I want to talk about is, is just the heart, you know, and the creativity. Yeah. And, you know, there's a few things that you said that I want to go back to. Mm -hmm. You know, first of all, like moving to New York at age 15, as a kid, and what that was, you know, twenty something, thirty, what, twenty five years ago. Yeah. And I mean, New York's got to be crazy back then as a fifteen year old kid. Like, paint us a picture of what that was like. Um, I mean, I didn't, I, I wasn't just reckless abandoned. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I had, you know, chaperones and and uh, caretakers. Mm -hmm. He just happened to be puffy. So. <laughs> 
you can imagine what kind of caretaking was going on there. Right, right. Um, it was great, man. I mean, I, it was, hey, they say you make it in New York, you make it anywhere in the world. Yeah. So I had to figure a lot of shit out. I had to you know, figure out how to take care of myself, figure out how to stay connected to my purpose, but also to learn uh, and absorb the environment. You know, it was about hustle. It was, you know, that's why I got the grind and, you know, working the long nights. I mean, I don't think I ever complained. I think the hardest part of it is I was going through a vocal change at the time. That mm. probably made it very difficult. But, um, you know, those nights, you know, in the Grand, which was the hot club back then in Club USA, I wasn't supposed to be in a club at 15 years old, <laughs> bro. But, you know, or seeing a lot of the shit that I saw. But, yeah. hey, I knew better. You know, maybe it was, you know, those very valuable lessons uh, in integrity mm. in Chattanooga, Tennessee that kind of led me. From, and furthermore, I knew what the hell I wanted. I didn't want to go to New York City for the experience. I wanted a career. Mm. So, um, yeah, I could have got off into a lot of stuff, you know. But I chose a different road. Yeah. Um, I, I, I had a plan. I had a passion and a focus. And um, I wanted to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. So what, I mean, what were the, some of those lessons in integrity? Man, um, one thing I can say is, um, you know, drugs um, wasn't necessarily an interesting point or thing for me. I didn't want to be experimental because my father, um, he, he battled uh, mm. with drugs and I never got a chance. Maybe part of the reason that we, he, I later on had a, had com conversations with him and a lot of what he said is, I didn't want you to see me in that state. Of course, mm. I forgave him as any child would. Um, who really just wanted to make sure that I made amends with, you know, made amends with him before he passed because he's no longer living. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, drugs, um, that wasn't necessarily my bag, man. I just, I just really couldn't get into the shit. You know, it just, yeah. you know, it's like when you look at the culture of how music and I guess what is considered cool is now it's 100% driven by that but I could never push myself to that place to allow that to be my source because it was the source of my like destruction yeah uh, or the lack thereof what I really wanted yeah um so man I mean you name it I mean the hustle of night nightlife working with shady promoters uh I didn't have to work with him, but I seen it. You know what yeah. I mean? Working and seeing a guy like Puffy in his heyday—well, he's he's not in his heyday, but in 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 a in a prime moment, a primal moment for him to figure out how to hustle and build a brand from nothing well, with an, an incredible talent, Notorious yeah. B.I.G. Then uh, Craig Mack and then all the other artists that he he signed. I was there for that. I was mm -hmm. I was there in the sessions with with them as they went through the process. Wow. And just absorbing all of that, you know. Yeah. Um, but it took a lot of intuition, too, to know who to trust. Like, how did you, you know. Trust ain't have shit to do with it, man. Because <laughs> it's like at, th at that point, you don't know who or what to trust. What you have to do is allow yourself to surrender to your greater purpose. Mm. And know that everything is going to be all right. That's all I could really bank on. Yeah. You know, everybody's here for something. It's just who gets it before the other. Yeah. And. 
as long as I could focus. And that's what it was. I think it was just, it was, I was passion driven, man. Passion and focus driven. If I can just keep my eye on the goal, I won't get distracted. And hopefully I'll land somewhere in between here and where I really want to be. Yeah. Uh, and, and I got some pretty cool people around me to help me get there. You know what I mean? L.A. Reed, Babyface. That's not yeah. bad. You know, Shell Puffy comes. That ain't bad, man. I'll be <laughs> sure. And Easy Moby and and Pebbles, of course. Uh, that's never a bad um, never a bad host of people to, to be working along with. Not bad at all. Yeah. Not bad at all. So when you were starting out in that space, you know, what was your creative vision back then? Creative vision, man. I really wanted to... Um, kind of redefine r&b and dance or mm. uh r&b and entertainment so i think i was 16 when i met my my girlfriend at the time uh it's kind of like my first love man um karan vereen ben vereen's daughter and she began to introduce me to a lot of things that i just didn't know of mm-hmm. right i'd probably heard in passing seen in passing i seen um uh, different performers or maybe seen influence from different people that I would l- later on recognize. But Bob Fosse, mm-hmm. um, Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly, all these people uh, and what they did in terms of classical dance or either kind of giving their interpretation through a theme, a, a thematic scene, and then bringing it into the music. I wanted to offer that back to music because mm. it was slowly slipping away. Uh, it was, it was, becoming yeah. about something other than entertaining uh maybe credibility uh who was tough you know before who was the hardest was it the east coast or the west coast mm-hmm. you know hip-hop obviously you know became more relevant wu-tang so on and so which are all people i loved yeah you know the far side you know tribe called quest all of those people and i loved all that culture of music but that became the culture more so than the true basis of what kind of led me to what I did as an entertainer, dancing. Yeah. So I said dance was a part of our culture and life. Like we we didn't even talk, but if we can get on the corner and start battling and getting the cipher and start moving, everybody was having a good time. It didn't matter what side of town you were from, if you you if you didn't come with it that day, yeah. Okay, be on the linoleum the next day and you figure it out, you know? Yeah. If somebody had a, a doper move than you, you had to figure out how to, you know, how to beat them. It wasn't about who had to, you know, yeah. Who could intimidate or who could take this or pull this gun or sell? It wasn't about none of that shit. You know what I'm saying? It was. So I wanted to, I wanted to bring that to entertainment, mm. and um, so I started dancing and singing and and um, the places I would go, I would I would just like tear the club. I was just just like I'm. A, I got something to give you. I got something to show you that's greater than you know, just music. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like it was about spreading that message and spreading. I don't know if it was about a message. It was just about a passion. I just loved entertainment. Yeah. And I then uh, was introduced to something something else that I just never known. You know, uh, something that was a little bit more structural. Mm-hmm. I mean, for New Yorkers, Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly, Broadway, that's a part of the culture of New York. And maybe it's a part of the establishment. So, But yeah. for me, it was new. I was excited. So I began to look at Michael Jackson in a different way. Like, oh, wait a minute. That's Bob Fosse's influence. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, that's Gene Kelly. Oh, Fred Astaire. Oh, I get it now. So I begin to take those things and try to add them to my um, to my mix. Mm. I begin to look at like Stanley Kubrick films and kind of get inspired by that. Like, wow, there's there's something there. So I looked yeah. at 
Clockwork Orange and was like, you know, what if I do my own version of Clockwork Orange? So uh-huh. then I, and I did this video called My Way. And it brought dance and kind of my idea of what, or my reinterpretation of Clockwork Orange. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, though. I mean, it's cool to, uh, to see that you're, you know, you pull inspiration from those different types of um, other arts and other other. Yeah, venues. of course. And then, and then I continued to grow. I mean, my mantra now has been evolve or evaporate. Mm. You know, uh, I guess my most recent one is shit happens. Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> good, good words of wisdom. Yeah. So when you were going, you know, when you talked about how you'd gone, um, you'd built this up, you'd earn the respect from the from your audience and all this stuff, and then you realized you had to maintain. Yeah. So what was it that you realized that you had to maintain, and how did that affect your creative like vision and and authenticity? Well, um, I then had to go back to the source which is the creative um, messaging. Mm. So I began to tell my own story. I began to use my own uh, life uh, endeavors mm. as kind of chapters. Yeah. You know, I use my music as somewhat of a diary, right? Yeah. And after I got through that phase, which a lot came of that, by the way, I'm just kind of under downplaying it, but confessions, you know, um, and that was a that was a I think it was a pivotal moment for me because before then I had ha- I had a hit record or I had a record here and and I don't think ten million albums sold could be ever considered shabby but at the time that was very low that's yeah. nuts at, in comparison to today and age that's it's just crazy. like it's crazy so anyway um um I then had to figure out how to do something that was more than just uh, using my my life as a spectacle hmm. or the things that had gone on in my life yeah. or conversations that I wanted to have, that I think men needed to have as a spectacle. So then I began to reach out and listen to other styles of music. Um, I began to go to festivals, hmm. you know, uh, Coachella, uh, my first time going to Coachella, I think it was, I mean, how many years ago? Five years ago? Three? No, no, it wasn't my first time going three years ago. No, probably about four or five years ago. Right. <laughs> So four or five years ago, I then began to look into Coachella and the inspiration of the people and the artists that were performing there, they began to kind of create this new source of creativity hmm. be- because it wasn't about a hit record. It was about um, preserving the essence of that style of music hmm. Um giving people something that was more valuable than just uh this kind of commercial viability that 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 keeps us going yeah keeps radio relevant and these songs weren't necessarily the most relevant records on radio yeah so i then began to you know work with people in that world i I worked with luke Steele Mm -hmm. uh, out of australia who i had great respect for um out of empire of the sun and also to begin to reach out to other guys like um, uh, Swedish House Mafia, mm-hmm. and um, and just you know just kind of collab working in a collaborative way to to mix and match my entertainment with their experience. Yeah. So it was EDM and it was soul, but a different take on soul. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> then I went through a divorce and everything got fucking crazy, <laughs> but um, after that. That became a whole inspiration uh, before because I did an album. 
I can't say that the album was inspired by my marriage, mm-hmm. but it was inspired by where I was at the time while in marriage. Yeah. And it was a pleasant place. I wouldn't take it back for anything. I think it was great. It was part of my life. It is part of my life. Yeah. Uh, but out of that um, comes, the, you know, uh, yeah, heavy. yeah, chapters. Yeah. So um, from that, I began to just get back into the creative groove and not talk about my personal life because at that point it was like, oh man, it's obviously very available for everyone to see, right? Uh, because it became you know kind of a, a conversation in news. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I began to kind of pull away from that conversation. Yeah, and really focus on music. I began to pick up instruments. I began to kind of changed my philosophy and idea about music and the people who create it and how it how it's done yeah uh whereas i would kind of work through melody and uh work through personal experience i began to read different things you know take a look you know going to different film festivals and just kind of finding other other sources of inspiration yeah yeah so what was that philosophy that shifted empathy you know just having uh, having a heart and a passion i mean i think i had it too mm-hmm. uh before um, and I think it's something that my mother really helped to instill in me. Yeah. Um, about maybe 15, 15 to 16 years ago, uh, when I first started my philanthropic, um, venture mm-hmm. and, and effort, you know, it was all about, you know, doing something positive and kind of being a, a representation of something that's greater than their current environment. A lot of the kids mm-hmm. that I mentored at the time, you know, came from impoverished um, area, came from impoverished areas and broken homes, some out of foster homes. Mm. So kind of giving them this new process, this new view uh, on life. Uh, but all of that, you know, kind of fueled uh, having empathy for other people who have other emotional journeys that they go on. Mm. You know, there's such, there's such value in being able to listen to stories. I mean, I, I'll talk to people all over the world. Most of the time, people think I'm not listening and I'm just kind of sitting there very quietly listening to what they're not saying yeah. and connecting the dots and asking the questions to really understand the source of it. Sometimes that may be the source of my writing. That may be the source mm. of, of of where I, of, of how I begin to kind of, you know, approach life. But um, all of that became the foundation, as you said, for um, for that new conversation. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of it, uh, I think, was driven by my kids, mm-hmm. you know, because when I began to, uh, I mean, you become a mush pot, man, when you have kids. I don't, it's like, <laughs> you're like infomercials and commercials just, you'll damn near be crying looking at infomercials. Like, Sarah McLaughlin <laughs> gets all my money right now, you know, you know, but you, <laughs> you, uh, it, it's, it's um, empathy and compassion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I that's that's powerful, and I I don't feel like that's something that everybody is in tune with, you know. So it's 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 amazing to hear that hear you talk about that. Yeah, um, you know, and going back, so you know, the one fortunate unfortunate thing that I have about my life and about my presence as an artist is that I've done so many things that each person that I've been able to talk to or touch like something very specific and i'm Mm. and i've been trying i don't know if i've I've been intentionally trying this but you know it's an effort to try to make sure that they all understand that it's all the same it's all a person that's been involved evolved uh and 
it has evolved to this place. Yeah. So you didn't lose anything. It's all there, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. all within. It all lies within. Yeah. But, you but some people get stuck. Some people honestly just get stuck in a certain place and they, they like what they like. You know what I mean? And that's fine. Yeah. And that's what, that was what was so good about me putting this tour together because it's kind of out of three years of what may be perceived as a departure from music, kind of reacclimating the people who have been a part of this 20-year journey mm. to all of it again so that we can start the conversation. I didn't want to put out another album. I didn't want to just throw out another, you know, four singles and then an album comes out. It has to be something more. Yeah. So. Well, the in the industry's changing too. You yeah. know, you've got to kind of evolve or evaporate. Yeah. And do different things. But what do you evolve for? And, and what moves you? Mm. That became more of my more of my focus and while all of the messaging may not necessarily be there there's empathy in it somewhere you'll yeah. find it yeah so i mean it's it's like i guess that's just my new chapter yeah yeah and and um i i, I want to create something that i feel um mobilizes people to do something more mm. something that's bigger than just what you think it is yeah. right what what would you say is bigger than you think it is for you? Bigger than what I think it is for me? Mm -hmm. Something that has a purpose. Something that gives you um, power, mm. right? Uh, activation through uh, attempting to do something collaboratively that makes life easier, better, for people who don't necessarily have everything that mm. you may have been exposed to. You may not have it, but at least you giving always is a, is a great source to something greater that you don't know mm. and helping people to unlock that. Even if the, even if they don't know it benefits them now, I'm happy that I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. I mean, and that's kind of the same thing, like what this podcast is all about is really inspiring people to unlock their own creativity Yeah. and to, you know, cause a lot of people, like you said, get stuck and there's so many things that hold us back from that. And a lot of it's in our own heads Yeah. for the most part. And I'm sure you've experienced that in your conversations with people and meeting people that yeah. it's really all up here. Yeah. And that's powerful. So how, you know, when you're, back into a little bit of the music how do you stay authentic to what you want to write and create when you have obligations to music labels and different things like that well 20 years in uh greater than the label um i have an audience now that mm -hmm. i'm making music with and for yeah going back to empathy having an understanding of where you are or what you've gone through and experienced. So I try my hardest to think of that um, while being playful, uh, honest, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. through, through my music. Uh, as I said, some, some, all of my music may not necessarily be inspirational, but if you really peel back the fabric of it and really look at the foundation, it is the empathy for someone else. Mm. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, and the consideration of someone else, yeah. Yeah. What's uh word <laughs> <laughs> What is the uh what were the last couple songs that you where where the inspiration come from the newest ones that you've just written Um well 
Um, you haven't heard all of them, yo. See, that's that. That's kind of the. the I've heard a couple of. Them. You've heard. You personally have heard them, but uh. but but I I'll, I'll I'll tell you that um, it is somewhat relationship uh, driven. Of course, life, love, mm-hmm. heartache, and pain is what we always talk about in soul music, right? Yeah. But but for the most part, what I try to do is give people things that they can relate to without being so specific, hmm. right? Uh, think of an environment where you're going to be, where you're going to hear the record. You're going to hear it on the radio. You're going to hear it in a club. You're going to hear it in an event. You're going to hear it in, your, in the privacy of your home. So how does it affect you when you're listening to it? That's mm. what I'm thinking of when I'm going through the process of writing it. Sometimes music is great for the environment of which you're in. You're in a club. You need something that's going to get the mood right, get it going, get people excited, up. You got to have that. Yeah. And you need songs that, you know, are obviously based in love and passion. You're going to need that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to need something that's going to, you know, have a bit of fucking in it too. And you you may just be having a really fucked up day and you just need something to just like like I can't run through that wall and I can't punch this person so I just need to have this song to help me get through it manage the process yeah they got that record uh and then on to lighter notes uh <laughs> then then you know you you need uh songs that are about something greater than what you're talking about it could be um it could be owning up to or taking ownership of your your reality mm. and uh, there's a song that I did on my album with Chris Brown that um is really all about having passion and compassion mm. having compassion for uh someone other than yourself yeah wow yeah it's a pretty deep record yeah yeah and where did, like where did that spark from a little bit of both of our life stories Mm. You know, uh, we've been kind of watching what Chris Brown, uh, his life has looked like. And, and a lot of people have had judgment about what my life has been. And, and while I choose never to kind of go completely into the details of, of why things have happened the way that they have. Or what what lies deeper. I kind of opened up a little bit on this song. Yeah. Yeah. The honesty I think honesty is the greatest key, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what's really shining in in today's age and and music and art and I mean there's so much noise out there. Yeah. You know, it's how do you distill down to what's important and what people are going to resonate with. Yeah. It's a it's a huge thing. So what do you you know, what's kind of the bigger picture? What do you what are you working on now that you're that you're heading towards and what's the next chapter? The next chapter is the UR Experience Tour. Um, after that, obviously, um, enjoying, uh, the labor of 20 years through music and putting out another album. Mm. Um, I'm actually, uh, really, really looking forward to, um, a role that I played last year, uh, being seen on the, on the big screen. Yeah. Um, I acted as Sugar Ray Leonard in the film about Roberto Duran, uh, called Hands of Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, really looking forward to that coming out next year. Hopefully a trailer will be out by the end of this year. Um, man, other than that, just continue to do as much uh, impactful work through philanthropy as I possibly can, be it teaming up with other entities who, you know, um, in some way uh, 
have similarities, right? Yeah. Um, let me see. Other than that, man, just just really enjoying enjoying life. I I've, I worked really really hard, man, and I'm 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 really just enjoying it right now. Yeah, you work hard. You work really hard all the yeah. time. You yeah. nonstop everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's worth it, man. Yeah, work hard, play hard, right? Yeah. Or just play hard all the play time. Play hard, yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about the uh, philanthropy stuff, too, a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. You know, you talked about um, the kids that you work with, and where where did that kind of start from? And, you're, you know, you're, you talked a, bit, a little bit about when you were younger, you're kind of raised with those values. And <clears throat> so how did you connect with specifically that passion or that passion, but that like working with those types of kids and, you know, cause there's all kinds of different spaces mm-hmm. of philanthropy. I mean, mm-hmm. pencils of promise, there's, you know, charity water, there's all these different charities. What specifically about that drew you? Drew the, you? the new look foundation was founded, um, out of an idea uh, between me and my mother that we could paint a better picture for kids who come from impoverished areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother uh, and I, um, managed to have enough time to go to um i think she was doing jury duty or something like that right hmm. and we were downtown and she was downtown and uh, we began to view these cases before her case of these kids who were coming from foster care homes and they couldn't figure out how to get the kids in the homes and they were dealing with issues of you know of abuse yeah. within the homes being misplaced and you know here you have these kids who could potentially be great people have great starts and have you know have overcome such hard obstacles but just aren't given an opportunity so that's what my focus was Hmm. Uh, before i mean i'd done you know the meet and greets with make a wish and you know all of the other sources uh that kind of gave artists outlets to uh to do something that would be positive read to achieve um the nba they have a cast of things that they do as well Hmm. But you're not really able to make an impact until you're until you take ownership of something. Yeah. And um, the youth is who I wanted to engage. The youth is who I wanted to ignite because I felt like that was always the greatest source. I've, I've always felt this, that some of my greatest ideas came in my youth and came from other people who were like me. Mm. So the most influential role model for a child would be another child. So. If I'm going to do this, let's do it now. Yeah. My mom, I, told, I told my mom. So we, we got with this guy, uh, Sean Wilson, who um, began to help me kind of shape what it is the focus of the foundation would be. Establish a 501c3. Before you know it, uh, we started going after kids in uh, foster care and just kind of giving them uh, this outlet. So I created this, uh, this experience called uh, Camp New Look, mm-hmm. where I would bring them uh, to a campus. Uh, it, the first campus was um, uh, Clark University in hmm. Morris Brown. So the first step, and I, I always said this, I, I always kind of use my, my own stories as a motivator. Seeing is believing. Yeah. If you can paint a picture for a child, you give them a, a greater look, they begin to believe that it could happen. So mm. here you're in a camp environment, you're in a college environment, it could happen. They yeah. begin to meet other kids and other young men and women who were like them and have them mentor to them. So the kids ultimately began to mentor to each other. Uh. Um, I then had other entertainers, myself, 
other people from uh, the industry that I worked in to come and talk to the kids, talk to them about their beginnings, hmm. talk to them about where they came from, how they had to find their spark. From that, <clears throat> I then began to kind of create the idea and the philosophy of how you mentor mm. and creating these pillars <clears throat> and creating a track of success so that they would know you got to get an education. You have to have a creative spark. You have to have empathy and an idea. And then the one thing that I want you to do is pay it back. Yeah. So once you get yourself established, now I need you to do the same thing. So uh, we then created, um, you know, kind of a following. And then mm -hmm. we stayed in contact and stay connected with the kids that, that really did make a connection. Uh, then we created this, this program called Moguls in Training. Mm. Uh, then we created an alumni. Before you know it, now our staff and um, the New Look Foundation, the, the kids who started with us 11 years ago are now sitting in board meetings and now, you know, working off internships to wow. just come through college. It's, I mean, and, and this all started off of just an idea to do something positive and paint a, a new look on life through real world experience. That's powerful. Yeah. That's amazing. That's, that's so cool that you're doing that. I mean, so it's kind of like you're, you start with the inspiration first, mm -hmm. the dream, the inspiration, and then you give them the tools to, to achieve it. Yeah. Well, something as tangible as reality, when mm -hmm. you're able to say, this is what you have to do and this is the result of it, then they can, then they'll say, okay, I, I believe it. Cause you know, politicians and scholars they may necessarily be off-putting for kids like that because they're like there's no way i'll ever be able to see my way through this hell that i'm living on a day-to-day -day basis what what are you able to do about the fact that when i leave this environment i have to go back into this hostile place so it's like mm. you give them the tools that they need you give them the opportunity to see through it mm. help them work through the reality that they have to go in and then change it. And, um, I mean, I've just been very happy to see what we've been able to do uh, as a foundation, but greater than what I've been able to do as a mentor yeah. because I see them doing the same thing and, and offering the same type of mentoring and, and texture uh, that corporations are dying for. They're like, we would love to have a story like yours. We'd love to be able to have you talk to our executives. Yeah. Like, what? It's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. So as a mentor, what what advice would you give to people that are, you know, wanting a career in art and creative entrepreneurship in general, not just music, but what has it taken from you throughout the years to get there? Find something you love and do it. And be unwavering. Be fearless because there's going to be a lot of hills, obstacles that are going to come your way. But if you really do love it, if you know that this is something that you have a deep passion for, don't quit. Don't give up. Mm. Um, the one thing that I always tell someone who is in a position to help someone else, um, you're blessed to be a blessing to someone else. Hmm. It's kind of the rent that you pay to be on this planet. I think Muhammad Ali, he said that, you know, yeah. um, charity or either philanthropy mm -hmm. is kind of the rent that we pay to, you know, live on this planet. You got to do something positive for someone else. Yeah. Uh, mentor someone. Talk to someone, communicate, be able to help find a solution. You know, yeah. you never know. You, there may be something great in it for you, too. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel like the more you give, the more you get in return. Yep. Especially but don't give to get. That's that. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the catch is you have to kind of be blind in it, you know, in any ambition, right? You have to be, you know, kind of 
blind in a way yeah. and you walk into this place but when you get past that then you get the reward of being able to say you've established something that you can take ownership of because mm-hmm. you kind of purge through that you know yeah. yeah it's like the intention without expectation there you go yeah so yeah one so one one of the last questions here that i uh this is the most words we've ever exchanged <laughs> i know <right? laughs> so the uh the question i'd love to ask all my guests is what does live inspiration mean to you what does live inspiration mean mm-hmm. to me um i guess reality live inspiration mm-hmm. or to live inspiration to live inspiration set an example setting the example mm-hmm. creating the, the standard or either blazing the trail that is your own mm-hmm. uh, when i say set the standard that means going far past what you perceive it to be mm-hmm. uh, pushing the limit and going further than uh, the expected wow that's what it means to me beautiful beautiful well, I appreciate you coming You can on do show. it. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on. No doubt, man. And uh, where can people get in touch, follow you on the internet? Yes, yes. Y'all hit me at uh, usherworld.com if you want to know more about the tour. Uh, specifically, you guys can go to um, usherworld.com as well. Yeah. Perfect. Follow me on IG at how you see it if you want to see what it's looking like. If you'd like to know more about my philanthropic endeavors, go to ushersnewlook.org. And uh, hopefully I'll see you guys out there. guys so much for diving into today's episode of shop talk radio with special guest usher raymond i'm your host nick onkin and if you enjoyed today's episode we'd love it if you could help us inspire even more people by leaving us a good review over on itunes tweeting or facebooking the episode and we'd love to hear where you're being inspired or see where you're being inspired so tag us on instagram where you're listening to the show hashtag shop talk radio my handle is at nick onkin Go out, inspire somebody, and we'll see you next time.